Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, and welcome to or welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to this virtual cool kids table. I tell you what, I started this show, gosh, this summer it's going to be six years ago. I I can't even believe that because it was only going to be 50 episodes. It was going to run for six months because I know that one thing is true and that is success leaves clues. And so if you want to find ways to up your game, you got to get around some uh, successful people who are doing interesting things and then they can't help it. They leave an idea, a nugget, a theory, a concept behind that you can pick up and run with. And that's why I started the show because I was in a bit of a rut six years ago. I wanted to figure out how to go to the next level. Thought if I interview 50 people, I'm going to learn something. Well, now we've interviewed over 500 people, over 550 episodes, and uh, we're not stopping anytime soon. So I keep looking for people as I go through my travels uh, who are interesting. And I think today's guest might take the cake for one of the more interesting people. Uh, He's wearing a pink hoodie most of the time. Uh, he, He said that he had a pink mohawk, but he's wearing a hat and I made him show me. It wasn't pink because it's getting dyed tomorrow. So by the time this airs, the guy's going to have a pink mohawk. But as of this exact moment, it's sort of brown, but it is a mohawk. Uh, He is uh, a guy who empowers entrepreneurs to ethically scale their business. Or a better way to say that is he helps companies blow up in a good way. So George Bryant, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, Tom Singer, thank you for having me on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and uh, you're a rock star for hosting 550 of these things, and it's an honor and a pleasure to be here, so thanks for having me. Yeah, I think this one's going to be like 556. I don't assign them numbers right away, but but that's probably the number it's going to be, so 556. I, I think you're safe to not assign numbers when you get to the point that you're at. Like, you can just call it another episode. It's just point. another show, because, you know, and we live in a world now where I used to, like, assign them when I would record them. And then they would just come in order. But now the world is changing every single day. So it's like, yes, this could air in two weeks or I could have something more pressing that is happening in that exact moment that has to air. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who have scaled themselves through this crisis uh, and had some really good shows. So, well, we play it by ear now. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm excited and I'm ready to go. So, George, I don't read the the biographies that fancy PR people send to me. I like for you to tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you got to do what you do today. 
Yeah, I love it. And and for the sake of your your show, I'll give you the elevator version. So we're not here for seven hours. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, yeah. No, it started. Uh, grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, pretty troubled childhood. You know, physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally, all that stuff. So I did what any sane child would do at uh, you know seventeen after navigating homelessness and you know poverty and things like that. I joined the Marine Corps because I was like, that's a good place to go. That'll make my life easy. And so uh, I joined Uncle Sam's Misguided Children and got in the mobile carnival and went and went to work. And so went in the Marine Corps, uh, 2002, um, you know, Napoleon Complex took over, graduated first and everything and ended up deployed way sooner than I wanted to. So 20, I was in Somalia in 2004. Uh, on my 21st birthday, I had a pretty horrific injury almost lost both my legs, ended up staying in country for six more months, coming back and ended up having to have some pretty crazy stuff done. So they wanted to amputate both my legs, but instead uh, I got them fixed, told them I was keeping them and I'd rather walk with no feeling than not have them. And so um, went through that process, spent 12 months in a wheelchair, gained a hundred pounds, you know, all that fun stuff and ended up being told that if I don't fix it, they're kicking me out. And I was more afraid of going home than I was of staying in. So made a full recovery, found a new addiction to working out, did some Ironman, stayed in for a couple more years and uh, ended up in Afghanistan in 2010. And uh, that deployment is the one that did me in. Uh, luckily, I'm still here, uh, which is amazing, but I ended up getting seven concussions over the course of like two years. And so I had uh, bleeding on my brain and fluid on my brain. So I was diagnosed with traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, and then my legs. And so the Marine Corps was like, hey, it's been fun. Thanks for 12 years, but we're going to kick you out. And I was like, oh, crap. And in that time, I discovered that I had celiac disease and I wanted to change my life. I didn't want to be struggling with bulimia anymore or addiction anymore or any of that stuff. And so I started teaching myself how to cook and I documented the journey on the internet and I just posted on Facebook every day. And this happened over the course of nine months while the Marine Corps was uh, doing my medical separation board. And I didn't know that if you showed up every day and, and provided content and value to people that you would build a following because I had no idea in 2010 or 11 what digital marketing was. And so I was just documenting my journey. And when the Marine Corps decided that they were going to separate me, um, I had built up a pretty consistent following um, after nine months. And someone was like, hey, you've been posting recipes every day. You should make an ebook. And I'm like, what's an ebook? And they're like, oh, well, you just take all the stuff you have and you save it together and then um, you give it to people. And I was like, all right. So I made one and then I sent it to them I'm like, no, we wanted to pay you. I'm like, what do you mean you want to pay me? And they're like, no, no, seriously, we want to pay them. Like, how much would you pay me? And they're like, $27. This is 2011. And so I was like, all right, cool. And they're like, other people would pay too. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, well, you upload it to this website called ClickBank and you build a website because I don't even like have a blog or anything. So I did all that over a couple of days. And then uh, sure enough, I took all the recipes that were free on my website put them into an ebook and I was so dumb. I didn't even know how to make a PDF. I uploaded a word document to ClickBank. Um, smart move number one. And uh, I posted about it once on social media and a blog post. And the first day I made my monthly salary of like $6,000. And then the second day I made my yearly salary of $35,000. And I was like, what is this world that I don't know about right now? And luckily, um, it was a byproduct of me being consistent. I posted every single day for nine or 10 months, gave away everything I had. And then when I put something out in the world, they rewarded me. So that became my business. Civilized Caveman was born and I was a food blogger, uh, a guy who had never cooked before, taught myself how to cook, documented on the internet, and then became a food blogger and was monetizing it. And so a couple months later, someone's like, hey, you should write a cookbook. And I was like, how do I do that? 
found out how to, I needed a publisher, had to do that, ended up writing an entire cookbook. And they're like, Hey, it's going to be nice. You have a book. You'll never make the New York times list, blah, 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 blah. So at this point I taught myself digital marketing. I taught myself email marketing. I taught myself social media marketing. And so I made a nine month marketing plan kind of from scratch, not knowing what to do. And uh, I'll never forget the phone call on that Tuesday because the book came out on June 10th. So on June 17th, I got a call and said, I can't believe it. You have no email list and you barely have a following. You became a New York Times bestselling author. Congratulations. Just enjoy it while it lasts because it's going to be the only week. And then 22 weeks later, I was still on the list. <laughs> and uh, it was a beautiful thing. I ended up hitting number four in the world and that was great. So then I launched an app because someone asked for an app. And I was like, how do you make an app? So I Googled it, taught myself what I needed to make an app, found a developer, Rev shared and said, let's launch an app. And then uh, six months later, launched an app, which was all the recipes from that ebook put into an app with some new functionality. And I told everybody, because that's how I do marketing. I was like, hey, these are all the same recipes, but if you want them on your phone, here it is. Launched the app, uh, got featured by Apple as the number one health app of 2015 and hit number one in the world. And uh Continued as a food blogger and then realized uh, partway through that once, you know, I was married and had children that I really hated cooking <laughs> and I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I had, had a million followers on social media. I was getting about 5 million uniques a month on my website, running a multi, you know, a seven figure business. And uh, I decided that it wasn't for me and it was killing me. And so I kind of disappeared for two years and went behind the scenes and started using my skill sets to help my friends. And they were like, hey, man, you should probably like charge people money for this. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. They're like, no, you should be a consultant. I'm like, what is that? And like, you get paid to talk. And I'm like, like, I don't have to do anything. And they're like, no. I was like, all right, cool. So I started consulting and teaching other companies what I had done. And, you know, my first clients were Men's Health, Women's Health, Titleist, Adidas, because I had built a name for myself. And uh, I continued that for a while uh, and uh, decided overnight that I didn't want that other company. So I just walked away. I gave it away as a Christmas present to one of my mastermind students. And uh, I walked away from social media entirely for two years, deleted everything, changed my email, changed my phone number. And I spent time as the Oz, as Ryan Moran called me behind the curtain, uh, <laughs> building up people's businesses. And so I basically took everything I learned after eight years of digital marketing and I started applying it to businesses. Um, with what I call, you know, my relationship speed algorithms method and uh, took two companies uh, from 10 million each to over a billion in three years. And then I've taken over 300 companies past the seven, eight and nine figure range. And so I've worked with everybody from MBA teams to, you know, the biggest fortune 50 companies in the world, all the way down to people in pre-revenue. And my whole theory is that um, I'm just going to give away everything I can and support people the best that I can because every entrepreneur deserves a fighting chance. So I use what I call my lighthouse method uh, to help entrepreneurs, you know, ethically scale their business by doing things the right way based on foundational principles. And I've done some pretty cool stuff with it, but that is the shortest version that I can give you. Well, that's a that's a long version, but I will tell you that uh, first of all, thank you for your service. I always think it's great when when people who have the military background uh, come on. I actually have seen now that I've done so many interviews on the show, there tends to be um, a couple of similarities amongst some entrepreneurs and that military service background uh, often is one of those things that you see in successful people. Uh, I'm sure there are people who have studied why. Maybe it's the discipline that you learn. I'm not sure. But uh, I've interviewed a lot of people and part of their story is is uh, their path out of whatever their situation was, was the military. And that led them yeah, to where they are today. So thank you for your service and, and congratulations on a, a highly interesting story. One of the things I found interesting about you 
is there's so many people out there who do consulting in air quotes uh, who are trying to sell to everybody when they meet them. They're like, uh, it's like I have a pork chop around my neck and they're a wolf who hasn't eaten in a month. It's like, Yeah. I really like your attitude of relationships beat algorithms. I think that is an awesome saying. I, I want to have t-shirts that say that. I have um, them. I'll send you one. Awesome. Um, but uh, in, in addition to that, you definitely have this attitude of how can I help first? And if I'm able to help, then maybe you get to sign up for my shit. And I like that because you almost never see that in the world of people who do sort of what you do. So I was I was impressed by that. So you didn't go looking to be an entrepreneur. You know, we kind of skimmed over your childhood, but it didn't sound like wine and roses and that you were brought up around uh, studying business techniques around the fire. So did you always think I'm going to go create my own path? The way you tell your story, it's like path. What's that? You know? No, no, I didn't. Um, My my entire life was about survival Um, and really you know the way and i've studied a lot of trauma and you know i've done 25 years of work on myself and you know probably invested seven figures in my own healing and um you know when i was very young i didn't get to be a victim of my trauma because it meant i would have died and so i intellectualized a lot of my trauma and figured out what to do and what not to do in order to survive and so most of my life i'd say up until about four years ago was born out of reaction and insecurity and fear. And that's where a lot of, you know, like on paper, I was successful. I was a New York Times bestselling author, right? I had an app, I had a seven figure business and yet I was more depressed and sad than I'd ever been in my entire life because I had no idea who I was. I had 25 years of unprocessed trauma and experiences and really I had no idea where I was going because I couldn't pick a path because I didn't even know who I was. And so there was a whole lot of, and I mean, I did every therapy you can imagine. I did EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, prolonged exposure, cognitive processing therapy. I did MDMA assisted psychotherapy. I did plant medicine. I did breath work. I did, I mean, you name it. I was doing theta healings and incantations and shamanic work and and all of it. Uh, But really I had no idea who I was. And so uh, a lot of my life and successes have come from thinking that if I push really, really hard and I do these things that somehow in that process, I'll discover who I am. And it's why the pattern is like the best at everything, right? And then, but it never sustains, it never lasts. It's like, oh, then what's the next thing? Then what's the next thing? Because it's all misguided and it was misdirected. And so, yeah, the path wasn't very, very clear and easy. And I mean, I've done crazy things I didn't even talk about. I tied a world record for a standing box jump and they told me I'd never walk again, right? And I was like, oh yeah, I'll show you, right? And I built my value and worth as a human based on all the external things in the world, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, nobody will like me unless I'm the best or the fastest or the most successful because I really had no relationship with myself. So yeah, the only path that I really saw was the path that uh, patterns or, or trauma that's unprocessed or unhealed wounds leads to. And that wasn't a road that I wanted to lead down. I didn't want to end up as an addict. I didn't want to end up, you know, dying of cancer like my family or, you know, with, you know, psychosis and things like that. I wanted something different but I really didn't know the path and I didn't know where to ask for help. And so instead I was like, I'm going to run as fast as possible and as hard as possible at anything that gives me a glimmer of hope. And that was kind of how I started. So you said a couple things I want to unpack here. One of the things, Please. and I'm going to jump to the second thing. And you talked about the fact that until four years ago, you really didn't know who you are. So George, how did you figure out who is George Bryant? Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, uh, 10 Besides days. The guy who's going to have a pink Mohawk tomorrow. Yeah. Um, well, so, uh, it, it started, uh, four years ago. I didn't know who I was really. Um, I was married. Uh, I had successful businesses. Uh, my daughter was 11 at the time and my wife was pregnant and I was one week away from bankruptcy, one week away from bankruptcy. Um, so the consulting career started out of necessity of survival because I had driven that other company into the ground. I was losing 40 grand a month, but I had millions of followers, right? Like I had everything. Um, but I was living off the dopamine of other people, right? I had no identity, no self. And so I went uh, for 10 days uh, in like isolation alone on a journey. And um, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done uh, being with myself. Cause I think it was the first time in my like logical, mindful self of my entire life that I've spent time alone, no distraction, no noise, no thing to do. And in that time, I realized I had a lot to heal. And that's where I, I realized that I had to let go of that company and, and kind of focus on me. And so I basically cut out the whole world. Like I cut out everything external. Like the only thing in my life was what I did in my life every day with my family or my team, but it was all proactive versus reactive. Like there was no external triggers coming in. There was no social media, no business calls, no emails, no nothing. Like I was fully there and proactive in what I did. And so uh, space was really, really the secret. And, and I, trust me, I'd done a lot of work before then on, on getting to certain areas, but really it was, it was giving myself the space to just exist without, you know, having a podcast or having a business or being the guy on social media or having millions of followers or even being a dad or a husband, like just being me. And it's a practice I maintain to this day. Uh, the first three hours of my day every day are spent in silence. Uh, I wake up at 4am and my son wakes up at about 6.45 and I'm the first one and I sit and I just sit. I'll stare at a fire. I'll stare at the snow outside. I'll stare at a mountain. I'll do breath work. I'll do writing, but no distractions and like really choosing who I get to be that day. But yeah, um, it came from some really extreme pressure that forced me to make some hard decisions. One of them walking away from a company, another one, you know, letting go of all that stuff because it wasn't serving me. And then the third was spending a whole lot of time in a relationship with the one person I get to spend the rest of my life with that I was ignoring every day, which was myself. So who is George Bryant? I am a loving, passionate, and trusting man that chooses to use my gift to change the world every day by filling my tank first, then my family's tank, then my team's tank, and then giving away everything I can to empower people to light up their soul switch. And if I was to interview your wife and say, who was George five years ago versus now? What would she say? Five years ago, I was a sociopathic, narcissistic, emotionally abusive man. And now I am the hardest working, most loving, connected husband, father, and human that she's ever met. Awesome. <laughs> so the other thing you said, and I sort of skipped to the second one, you talked about your own childhood and you said it was really about survival. And it really struck me because I think right now with what's going on in our society because of quarantine and the virus that is spread around the globe and, and deaths. I, I talked to a guy today who literally switched jobs on March 1st to go to work in the cruise line industry. And he has now been laid off. And, um, you know, he 
that that's it. He'd walked away from another job a few months earlier. He got that job. He was really excited. And he is in survival mode. And we talked for a long time just to brainstorm and share ideas and, you know, kind of kind of look at things because I'm not from his industries, from the tour and travel industry. So we looked at it kind of, you know, from a different set of lenses. But I realize he's not the only person who's in survival mode. I'm in survival mode. Many people are in survival mode. Um, how do you think that what's going on right now is impactful for entrepreneurship? What an amazing question. And yeah, and just to give some context, you know, I own eight, uh, nine companies um, and three of them, three of my big ones, my supplement company, my diaper bag company, my protein bar company, we're losing 60 grand a day right now. Um, And I laugh about it and I smile about it because it's just ridden with opportunity and it's temporal, right? So the first thing to remember for me is that any reactive decision is never a good decision. And right now, we went from a world of neutrality to a world of like net negative, right? Everybody's in fear because human agency was taken away. So it creates what's called reactants and a reactants. It's all scarcity based, fear based and everything there. And so the first thing is to remember that like everything that's happening out there is out there. It's not in me. It's not in my world. And that number one positioning is, is what gives us the position to see it as an opportunity, right? Because we get to choose kind of our path and, I'll give a tangible example. Um, My supplement company (laughs) went from multiple five figures a day to three figures a day. And we have a staff, we have a team. So we cut employee, I mean, we cut owner pay so we can pay our employees. And then I looked at my founder and I said, let's just give away free supplements. And he said, you're a madman. I said, no, no, let's give people at home workouts and send them free supplements. And, you know, right now the world is screaming for leadership, right? The only three words that really matter right now are safety, security, and certainty. And that's it. And, you know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we used to bring people in our marketing and our branding and our messaging from where they are to a desirable state. And now we're bringing them from pain to somewhere of neutrality, right? But all of it comes from the entrepreneur, the business owner, the person being in that space first. And there's no opportunity and there's no clarity to see the path when you're in it, right? And, and a very wise teacher of mine in all of this year of work, all these years of work, looked at me one day and he's like, you have it backwards. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you always think you either have to be swimming against the current or floating with it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I don't ever want to float with it. Like I'll always swim upstream. Right. And he's like, okay. And he's like, or you could stand up and realize the water's only six inches deep. <laughs> and it was one of like the most profound statements of my life. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, visionaries stand up. Right. And you know, the book that I always reference in these states is the infinite game by Simon Sinek right now. We've never experienced a level like this worldwide as we are now, but like you think about September 11th and we experienced something like this in, in the U S before, right. And there's companies that went out of business and there's companies that 10 X because of the way that they looked at it. So it's an amazing read um, when you think about it, but the first thing is understanding and, and, and in stoicism, they reference this, right. It's called a memento mori right? And it's kind of throwing all the cards on the table. Like what's everything that's possible here, right? Like I could die, I could lose, I could go bankrupt, I could whatever. That's the most powerful place to be because I find that most of the fear comes from a lack of acknowledgement of the current situation, right? It's what we call dissonance. And so in the opportunity that we have now is that the moment you can kind of sit back and take a breath and observe from 30,000 feet of like what's here, you know, what do I have? What are the fears? Like I have the fears. I have the fears of bankruptcy. I have the fears of whatever. And then I was like, yeah, but even if, like, even if it doesn't take my freedom, it doesn't take my family, it doesn't take myself, it doesn't take any of those things. 
But in that is where the power comes from, because that's where we have the ability to respond versus react, right? And so the opportunity now is to understand that we're being tested. The world is screaming for leadership. And and we as entrepreneurs and business owners, we're the people that really change this world. And and I'm going to say what nobody else is saying. Um, Entrepreneurs love this. This is what they've wanted. We're entrepreneurs because we crave uncertainty, because we like the unpredictability and carving the path. Well, now the whole world is in the state. And so it's what basically we've been working at every single day to where if you look at it from an opportunistic perspective of like, okay, I get that this is where we are. This is the field that I'm in. Breathe into it and understand that like this could happen, this might happen, but also this could happen. And then you use that to kind of pick your path. That's the best path forward. And that's what I've been telling everybody. And listen, like I, like I have MBA teams as clients. My phone rung 400 times in like three weeks. And I told all of them the same, what do I do? I said, breathe, call me in 24 hours, make no decisions, right? Like none, breathe, call me. And then we kind of come up with a path. And so when I look at the current state, the opportunity for entrepreneurs is to deepen foundation with self, right? Like I, I say, be a mountain or be a lighthouse. And when you deepen that relationship with self, you also deepen that relationship with everybody around you, your family, your team, and then your customers. And listen, in the world of business, and we're all entrepreneurs, people don't buy the best product, they buy the best relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's a massive opportunity right now for relationship clout and depth that nobody's ever been able to achieve with such a global heightened emotional state. And so the opportunity is that. So you talked about the fact that, uh, you know, right now the words pe- people wish they had, you know, uh, it was safety, security, and certainty. Yep. And I just had some conversations with a friend of mine and, and her expertise is on how to deal with stress. And she said that uncertainty is the worst thing for stress for people that they've done. They've done like studies where like they bring people in and they they do different things. And they've told like one one focus group that you will not be electrical shocked. Those people are pretty calm about the whole experiment because they will not be. They tell another group, you will get an electrical shock. And while they don't love that, they're okay because they know it's coming. And they tell another group, you may or may not get an electrical shock. And those people freak out because they don't know if they're going to get shocked or if they're not going to get shocked. And so she said that uncertainty is like the worst thing out there. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I totally get that. And I think too, and Tom, what, what I love about that, and you know, this is where you see that I've spent 25 years of my life in therapy, right? Um, <laughs> but when you, when, you, when you think about that, you know, the certainty piece is what we have to give to ourselves, right? And, and what I found is that most of the dissonance that comes is like this, oh, it's not really like that, or it might change tomorrow, or a week from now, it'll be different, right? And it's like, no, like doing a real moral inventory of like what it actually looks like right now. Like I have to make some hard decisions. And so the, the, the faster that we can kind of rip the bandaid off per se of like, oh, nope, this is really the state of the world. Like, you know, my kid's out of school for the next six months and might not be back, right? And then, but in that opportunity, we've always wanted to move to the mountains. And now we're like, hey, do you just want to finish being homeschooled? Then we can move now. And so there's a lot of sides here, but you got to throw all the cards on the table. So, you know, the, the lack of certainty or uncertainty normally comes from dissonance, a, a lack of acknowledgement of like the real situation. So it's like entrepreneurs, you know, we're entrepreneurs because we're leaders, right? Like, and, and if you're listening to this, like, I just want to thank you for being a leader and being an entrepreneur because we're the ones that carve out the path in the world. But in order to lead effectively, you have to understand the field that you're playing on. And that field and understanding it is what creates certainty, right? And so, you know, we can go cheesy with puns all day, like 300 and blah, 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 blah. But really, 
it's where the position of power comes, not manpower, not resources, not bank accounts. It, it comes from that position of understanding the field and then choosing how to act in it. So I, I love that, Tom. So, so the other thing is, so the, the day that I met you, I was at a conference and that particular day, my entire business for the rest of, you know, first quarter and second quarter sort of collapsed, like conference after conference was being canceled where I was supposed to speak or where I was going to be the master of ceremonies. And if this had happened a year ago, I would have been in the corner rocking and crying. Yep. But I went through my own sort of like self-awakening growth thing in the fall. And I've kind of had this attitude. We're now five weeks in. I've kind of had this attitude of it'll be what it'll be. And part of that is, so my father was uh, 52 when I was born and he lived to be 99 years old. So I only died wow. a few years ago, but my dad was born in 1914 and he yes. lived until the end of 2013. So he just missed that hundredth birthday. But a fascinating thing is he always pointed out when people would talk about the economy, he said through his whole life before the depression, he was an adult during the depression. And he said, Every time there's an economic downturn or bust, it is always followed by unprecedented growth. And he had like stock charts of how, yeah, they go down and they might be flat, but then they get higher and then they go down and they get flat, but then they go higher. And so he, he said, no matter no matter what, when there's a downturn, always know there will be a boom uh, that will come. And it is true. You said it earlier that there's so many businesses that were forged and born in the recession after 9-11, uh, during World War II. I mean, you know, the, the, the list is endless. So, I, you know, I think that that's kind of why I have this attitude of, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? We have to sell the house. All right. You know, well, we'll and for, for you, like where I want to acknowledge you and give you credit, right? There, there's a difference where there's opportunity, right? When you're romantic about how you do business, you go out of business. When you're unattached to what the wrapping paper looks like, you have the ability to stay in business forever, right? So, and so, so I've never heard that before, but I like it because a year ago I would have said, no, I make my living standing on stages and speaking. Well, there are no stages in speaking. And while I don't have the answers of everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm scrappy. I'm just like, all right, we'll figure it out. And, and what I've done, my own personal uh, uh, thing to do, and not just with the podcast, but just one-on-one -on -one calls, is for the past four weeks, I have made it a practice that every day, Monday through Friday, I talk to one really smart person. And might be someone with a background in the speaking or meetings industry. It might be somebody in the drone industry. It doesn't matter. I talk to somebody who I consider very smart. And we chat, we brainstorm, we talk, and then I end every question with, so what should I do? And in 20-ish people, I've gotten a couple of really dumb ideas that don't resonate with me. They're not dumb. They just weren't right. Uh, I've gotten a lot of, hmm, don't know what that means ideas. But I've gotten a couple of ideas that were like, oh, yeah, I can totally do that. And I'm, I'm running with them to some degree. So I've just made that my new habit that I ask smart people for their input. And I realize it may or may not be right. But if you're not tuned in and listening, then you're never going to find it. Totally. And, and, you know, it's, you know, everybody wanted more horses until Henry Ford made the car. Right. And, you know, there's, there's shining examples of this, but really, you know, what it is as an entrepreneur, a business owner is that when you build your business on foundational principles, right, not strategies and tactics, not temperance, not trends, what you're left with is you're left with a solid keel in the water. And then, you know, you might have to change your wrapping paper, repaint the front of the house. You might have to change what it looks like, but the core of what you do and like the core of what you do, Tom, is you bring people together, create community and connection and excitement with quite frankly, some boring as shit content that people <laughs> share on the stages that you're emceeing and, you know, master of ceremony, right? 
the only people who think that that has to be done as person are the people that are afraid to innovate and pivot, right? But, you know, 15 years ago, if somebody told you about TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, it'd be the same thing. And like we sit here and complain about people like, oh, they're on social all the time, social all the time. Well, go Google what a train or a bus ride looked like 50 years ago and every person had a newspaper in front of their face, <laughs> right? The medium changed, but humans have not. And so, yeah, we might have to do it in a different way, but there's opportunity abound. And what I love is that when you're really grounded and connected in like what you do, right? Like it, it, it's like you, you know, like I bring people together. I create community and connection. Nowhere does it say by only being on stage or by only being on Zoom. Right. And so what it gives you the ability to do is to pivot and to pivot fast to meet people where they are. But that is the definition of business and marketing. It's meeting people where they are. Right. Because the same time, you know, 12 years ago, we used to always go to Blockbuster. Right. Disney Plus wasn't a thing. Apple TV wasn't a thing. Roku wasn't a thing. Row 8 wasn't a thing. You know, Google Smart Home wasn't a thing. We would like literally get in our car and go. Right. And then all of a sudden that's upended. We still love the fact that we're consuming movies, but the medium has changed and we're in a rebirth right now. And it's a realignment. Things are going to change completely differently. People are going to consume things differently. They're going to see things differently. Like podcast listenership is up 40%. Social media consumption is up 21 times. Right. But here's what everybody's not prepping for. When the gates are open, get ready for people not to be online. Right. And everybody's now like, oh, my God, I have this new business. I'm building it online. I'm building it online. I'm building it online. I'm like, are you ready for the fact that when freedom comes back? Yeah. People are going to be over the fact that they've been consuming so much. Yeah. I think there's already webinar fatigue and uh, and and newsletter fatigue. So my my saying is more personal, less broadcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm broadcasting this podcast, but in general, less uh, le less broadcast, more personal. So, George. What advice do you have for an entrepreneur or somebody who wants to be, or maybe the situation is forcing them into it? Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. So the first one uh, is be rapidly committed to your vision and clarity. Uh, and, and so understand that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, anything, the road that you're about to embark on has never been paved before because it's yours. And so it's your road to pave. It's your path to carve. And so you have to be clear on where you want to go. And so one of the things I do with my students is, and they don't like me for this one, I make them do an exercise where they have to draw their 100-year vision without words. And if you can't show me in pictures what it looks like, you can't make it happen in the first place, right? And so what you need is a North Star, like what it is that is going to get you out of bed in the morning when you hit resistance, when ad accounts get shut down, when products don't work, Right. It's not a business if it's predicated on selling. A business is done because it serves humanity. It moves people from a before state to an after state or it solves a problem with a bridge, right? So you have to get really clear on who you are, where you wanna go, and then make that your North Star. And then in that, don't overcomplicate it. The name of this game is iterating and it starts by just knowing what it is, starting, and then changing it as you go. And so with entrepreneurship, I watch people move their starting line over and over and over again. You make your mark, you pick a path, and then you do what matters. You be in a relationship with your customers, and then you grow and you iterate and you change, right? Just like the iPhone evolves, just like software evolves. You pick one thing because every moment you wait to start is a missed opportunity and a missed relationship, okay? So you get your 100-year vision, or your 50 year, your 10 year, you get clear on what it is that gets you up in bed every day and why you're going to do what you do. And then you make a declaration and you start. There's no moving the starting line. There's no anything and there is no perfection. You're not going to have 8,000 things done, a perfect product, a perfect everything. 
as an entrepreneur, you fall in love with the uncertainty, the fact that the market changes every day. So give yourself a chance to win the game by playing on it. And so start and pick a start date and go. And if you do that the right way, you don't have to wasting time, money, or energy because you get to build it with them. And I did a podcast on this. I can swear, right? Yeah, I can. I remember you did. I did a podcast called Fields of Dreams is Bullshit. If you build it, they don't come. And it's a mistake that I watch most entrepreneurs make that have been an entrepreneur, but even starting out, like they spend two, three, four, five months building something and then post the world, nobody wants it. Like, because you didn't build it for them, you built it for you, right? So, know where you're going to go that what's going to keep you driven and going and then understand and and I'm going to do your memento mori for you. It's not going to look like you think and it will never feel like you think. You're carving a new road that hasn't been paved because it's yours and so just fall in love with the fact that there's going to be uncertainty but if you continue to get up and reinvent yourself and re-evolve while doing it the right way, I can guarantee your success. I love that. I love that. So George, I've got a couple of more questions for you before I can let you go so that you can go dye your mohawk. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like George Bryant. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, George, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now? Uh, The coolest thing we're doing in business is every one of our businesses donates 10% of gross back to the world. And so it's something I pride myself on. And um, there's three rules to work with me ever uh, in my mastermind, in my courses, and even in my free Facebook group. And the three rules are simple. Rule number one is you have to be 100% committed to yourself. Rule number two is you have to be 100% committed to everybody else. But rule number three is you have to be 100% committed to a charitable organization with either time, money, or energy. At Impact Bars, we give 10% of gross uh, to getting women or empowering women to get out of abusive relationships and rebuilding their life. At High Speed Daddy, we give 10% of gross to empowering veterans to transition into the world and being better men, helping them provide, protect, and connect. And at Crazy Muscle, we donate 10% of gross to getting kids like inner city youth into gyms and provide supplementation. And so um, what I love is the fact that I've built the world in a business where we get to do good with what we've created. And after, you know, spending 13 months of my life in Somalia and in Afghanistan, you know, I have a a mission that I want to go back and really teach my kids and myself and all my family members and everything, the power of, you know, altruism and really doing something good with what we're doing. And in my opinion, there's no point in having a business if you're not using it to, you know, forward humanity or make the world better. And so um, I think that's the coolest thing that I can do. Well, and I love, I love that model. We've done that ever since I became a professional speaker. We've given small, not 10%, but a couple of percentage points to research for kids born with craniofacial abnormalities. Because my youngest daughter, who is now graduating high school, sort of, I mean, she is, but I don't know if there's going to be a graduation <laughs> ceremony, but uh, uh, has just been accepted to an Ivy League college. And she was born with this condition where they had to remove the entire cap of her skull. So we donate for research around cranial facial abnormalities. And 
over a lifetime of, I don't know, 14 years we've been doing that, it's grown to over $70,000. Uh, I actually did a TEDx talk called The Art of Giving Small, which was how you don't have to be rich. You just give a little bit along the way and I'll be damned. It adds up over time. That's a good That's a good one. I like that. The Art of Giving Small, man. And, and I love it. And so, yeah. Tom, what's the coolest thing you do? Uh, so, you know, I would say that uh, the coolest thing I was doing was I was really doing more Master of Ceremonies work for associations because uh, their conferences matter, right? I mean, it's it's about the relationships. It's about the networking. And we there's sort of a pendulum that happens in the meeting world. And it gets very much pinned towards, you know, oh, my gosh, super great data dump. And it's like, nah, let's get back to some entertainment. And so I'm able to provide that. And so that's what I would have said five weeks ago. I think the coolest thing now is a project my friend and I just launched called the Webinar Talk Show. And it's all about making webinars more interactive, like maybe Kelly and Ryan in the morning, uh, rather than just some talking head in a box on Zoom. I love it. I love it, man. I can't wait to watch it. So uh, the other question that I have for you before I let you go is who do you admire in the world of entrepreneurs? Because I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I think they see when someone out there is doing something. So who do you look at and say, wow, she or he, they're doing cool things? Yeah. um, Some big ones like right off the bat, like I appreciate innovation and standing on the fringe. So Elon Musk is uh, somebody that I admire, not not because of what he's creating, uh, more so the the tenacity in which he stands in his vision, right? And uh, kind of unwavering. He's the definition of like being a lighthouse, which is what I teach in business, right? Like once you turn it on, you stand in it. And, and that's where, you know, innovation comes. And, and you know, there's a hundred entrepreneurs every day that I see in my groups that are doing amazing things. And I admire every single one of them. And so uh, any entrepreneur I admire uh, for taking a chance and cutting a, a path that hasn't been created and getting out of the, the check boxes and the things that we're doing. And so- uh, anybody who's willing to kind of put on this hat of uncertainty and be like, I'm going to reinvent myself as many times as possible to get to where I want to go, which is normally always founded on solving a problem or making the world better, uh, deserves all the credit. And there's no way I could ever consume them all, but I know it's happening. And so I just appreciate every one of you that's doing that. So one more thing I want to touch on, because you've said it a couple times, and that is you've talked about the lighthouse and you've said mm-hmm. that's part of what you teach. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. going to make you explain what is the lighthouse <laughs> that you teach. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, so when I think about business, um, the best analogy for business for me is a lighthouse. You take some time to plan it out, build a solid foundation. And then once you get to the top, you turn the light on. But the purpose of lighthouse is once the light's on, you can never turn it off. Right. So it has to be built to withstand crises and pandemics and, you know, uncertainty, hurricanes, gale force winds, because if that light goes off, people die. Boats don't make it home. And so I use a lighthouse in my, my framing. And, you know, I've, I've built um, over 300 companies into the seven to 10, 11 figure range, whatever those numbers are. I don't even know anymore. And, um, and I use a very simple nine step process that's all based on foundational principles, not strategies and tactics, which are what give you a chance to win. Cause hockey sticks are not businesses and neither are launches, they're liabilities. And so, you know, especially in today's day and age, certainty is really everything. And when you understand the field that you're on, you know what levers to pull and not pull. And so I have a nine step model where I teach people absolutely everything to do with building a successful business um, from the ground up or whether you're in business or not in business. And, um, you know, because of the world and the uncertainty, uh, you know, most of it used to be reserved for clients who paid me six figures. 
And now I'm like, hey, I get to pivot too. So I'm giving it away to everybody in my Facebook group and on my podcast. And I basically teach the entire thing for free. Knowing that people don't pay for products, they pay for access and accountability. So my ask is that you consume it, you put it into practice. And if you ever want to be in a deeper relationship with me, you ever want my help or support, that you have it going and I can jump in and be your teammate, not your guru or your answer, because every one of you listening to this already has the capabilities inside of you. And so, you know, we call it lighthouse, lighthouse method. Um, you know, I want to break the digital marketing model. I told Tom this when I met him. And so I basically give away everything I can for free to help you because every entrepreneur deserves a chance to succeed. And so uh, it's all really easy. It's all at mindofgeorge.com. Which doesn't doesn't this scare all the internet gurus out there who charge ridiculous sums of money to be in their inner circle? If uh, you're helping people first and then getting them in to paying you, they're like, oh, that's the opposite of the way I make money. I have to suck money away from people. You should see some of the texts I get from them because um, we all used to be friends. And when my moral compass got straighter. Uh, I get attacked. I get attacked hard, and which means I'm doing the right job. I, I'm not. I'm not going to point to anybody's moral compass not being straight. But I sat in a room. I don't know several years ago with somebody who is very famous, and part of what he was selling was that you got coaching from him as part of the deal. But he was scaling at the time. He's a well-known person now. He wasn't necessarily yet then. And I said, I don't understand how that works. And he starts giggling like a schoolgirl. And he says, in order to get the one-on-one time with me, they have to complete the checklist. And he goes, and I've made it to a point that nobody can complete. He goes, like 1% of the people would ever do anything that's on the checklist and he was charging really large money and it looked like you were getting coaching with him and the small print was that and he was giggling about how oh no one will ever get to me and I thought oh I I now want to barf in this bucket yeah totally and so you know for me uh we trademarked relationships beat algorithms and here's my commitment I know because I would have stolen it if you hadn't no I know and uh my commitment to you and everybody else my team and I it's not a business if it's predicated on a credit card transaction my team and I's commitment is to help any single one of you any way that we can in achieving your goals and dreams. And if it gets to a point where you need more one-on-one or you need more time and structure, well, that's the time to pay. But I'll basically give away everything I can on the front end, which is why I launched the podcast. And then, here's the thing. A lot of people aren't going to like the podcast because I basically took entire courses and I recorded an episode on how to teach the entire thing in 15 minutes. And yeah, so your podcast is good and it's short. So yeah. Yeah, no, I know it's, <laughs> we're, we're doing, uh, you know, a couple times a week, uh, and I want it to be digestible 10 to 15 minutes, take it, hear it, put it into practice. And the podcast and is on. called the mind of George show, the mind of George show. And, and I, it, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there were two things that he said that I have to repeat. One is your launch is not your business, which I think no. there's been so much attention put on, Oh, the launch. And I have friends who've written courses who do everything they're supposed to do for the launch. And then it just goes, wah, wah, wah. And then they're like sitting in the corner crying. Um, and then the other thing you just said is it's not a business if it's predicated on a credit card uh, transaction. And I certainly think, you know, maybe it's a business, but it's certainly not a relationship business if it is predicated on a credit card transaction. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, though, Nike, right? Nike is not like just do it only if you pay me. You know what I mean? And so that's like when great, you think about that's a great point, you could go do it in Adidas. Yeah, you, you could, you could. Um, and so here, here's the thing, uh, mindofgeorge.com is the easiest place and I'll, I'll tell all of you. Um, one of the things for every entrepreneur that is important to understand is the customer journey. And I teach it ad nauseum and, and pretty length, but really there's only four types of customer journeys that happen in the world. 
And most businesses only solve for one of them. And that's why 99% of businesses leak out the back end. And so here's what I do because I like to break patterns and interrupts. When you go to mindofgeorge.com, there's a video on the homepage where I teach you all four of them and how to use them for free while looking at the page. And of course, that's where the podcast is and our free courses. We put together a free 30-day uh, marketing mini course that rivals most $10,000 courses. And, and all I want is your email so I can deliver the content. And so if we can do anything to support you, the link to our Facebook group is there. Everything's there at mindandgeorge.com and uh, we'll do anything we can to help. Yeah, so the night I met him, the first thing I said to the person sitting next to me was, if he's for real, he is unique. <laughs> and and now I've sort of vetted him and I think he's fucking for, or, 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 oops, well, we're gonna have to check the wrong box on this one. Uh, yeah, he's for real. So anyway, check him out, mindofgeorge.com. Any last words, George? Uh, remember that no matter what you do at the end of the day, business isn't built on transactions. There's people on the other side and relationships will always beat algorithms. There you go. Relationships will beat algorithms. I'm waiting for my t-shirt. All right. Thank you, George Bryant, for being on the show. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I said it, say it every single with every single show. If it's not for the audience, why would we have the podcast? So uh, make sure that you uh, go back. We have uh, 555 episodes before this. We're going to do 555 more after this. Uh, just keep tuning in, checking out what we got. And if you like the show, yeah, I always ask people to go and leave a review. That's cool. I love to see a review. But more importantly, tell a friend because most people find the show because somebody told them about it. So go out and tell all your friends cool things entrepreneurs do. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as George Bryant. I know you're thinking, what? How is that possible? But we do it every single show. But in the meantime, go out there, flex your entrepreneurial muscles, make sure your ladder is against the right wall because you don't want to climb that career ladder to find out it was in the right, wrong place. Try some new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>